This is an interview with Dr. Joshua Fisher from the Environmental Change Institute Ecosystems team. So, um, can you tell me a little bit about the Ecosystems Dynamic Group? Well, the Environmental Change Institute here at Oxford University is organized around three major research themes, climate, energy, and ecosystems. I'm part of the Ecosystems Dynamics Group, which is led by Professor Yidvinder Mali. Our aim is to understand and predict ecosystems' processes, functioning, structures, patterns, and responses. The context of our work ranges from basic ecological theory to implications in climate change and carbon sequestration. We study biogeochemical cycling. In other words, we follow how water, carbon, and nutrients, such as nitrogen, phosphorus, flow through the ecosystem from the soil, vegetation, and atmosphere. So what tools do you use for your measurements? Well, our methods include direct field measurements and observations using a range of simple devices to complex and expensive instruments. We use satellite remote sensing and geographic information systems, or GIS. And finally, we've been expanding the mathematical modeling component of our research, not only to predict ecosystem responses to changes or perturbations, but also to understand and guide our measurements on the ground. And where exactly are your study sites? Well, there's numerous types of ecosystems in the world, but we obviously can't study them all. We focus mainly on forest ecosystems, and we've become very strong leaders in the study of tropical forests. We have projects and students in the Peruvian cloud forests, the Brazilian Amazon, the African Congo, and the rainforests of Borneo. It sounds like there are quite a number of people working on this, so who exactly are the people in your group? Well, there's over 20 people in our group including currently seven postdoctoral researchers and 14 doctoral students. And every year, a few master's students work with us on their dissertations. We're also home to a few visiting scholars. Right now, we have uh, Dr. Sasan Sachi from NASA's Jet Propulsion Lab and the University of California at Los Angeles. Inevitably, some of us are always out on field work, and it's very rare to have every one of us back in Oxford together at once. Tell us a little bit about the people and what your group's like and what you do outside of work? Well, we're all very, uh, generally very laid back and consider each other good friends. Although we are in the UK, there are only a few Brits among us. Our nationalities include Brazil, the US, the Philippines, Finland, France, Malaysia, Belgium, Peru, Poland, Zambia, to name a few. We've got capoeira masters, breakdancers, jazz lovers, and ultimate frisbee champions. Recently, one of our students got married in Poland, and a huge group of us went over to Poland to celebrate with them. So going back to some of your research, um, can you tell us a little bit more about the project you're working on in the Peruvian cloud forest? It sounds like pretty difficult work. Well, it's extremely steep and very difficult terrain. Oxygen is low. Landslides that wipe out major sections of the roads are a huge problem for us working there. And we have to keep an eye out for deadly snakes. One of our graduate students, uh, Cecile Girardin, was among the first of our group to start working out there. She sent us back reports of how difficult the work was and how she was fighting to maintain the physically grueling treks through the mountains. Turns out that she was pregnant and didn't know it. The sickness that she thought was due to the altitude was actually from morning sickness. Cecile is tough as nails and now she has a beautiful two-year-old. But the work is amazing. We, we're working on the eastern flank of the tropical Andes and the adjacent Amazonian lowlands. This area is the most biologically diverse region in the whole world. It is the location of 15% of global plant diversity. But this area has scarcely been studied due to the challenging logistics of working in this region. 
We've set up an elevational transect that spans 3,000 meters in altitude. Our primary goal is to quantify and understand the carbon dynamics of these forests. We are also putting our study in the context of climate change. As temperatures warm, can lowland Amazonian species move up the Andes in search of cooler temperatures? How are cloud dynamics at the Andes altered by climate change and deforestation in the Amazon? One of our students, Kate Halliday, is leaving to Peru tomorrow to study the cloud dynamics by releasing balloons into the atmosphere with instruments attached that send back measurements of a wide range of meteorological data. Dr. Lorenzo de la Fuente, a postdoc in our group, is an atmospheric modeler who will use Kate's measurements to model cloud formation in the Peruvian Andes. And his modeling component will be linked with the vegetation modeling component led by another postdoc, Dr. Toby Matthews, and supported by myself. I'm also in charge of studying the nutrients dynamics along our transect, and I've set up a huge nutrients amendment experiment whereby I'm fertilizing the Andean forest with nitrogen, phosphorus, and both to see how limited the forests are to either or both of these nutrients. I work closely with a Peruvian graduate student from Cusco who visits our plots every few months, and I was there for two field campaigns last year. I'm actually headed back over there in a few days. We've got over 15 people from Oxford and Peru this summer alone doing field work. We hear lots about the Amazon in the media, and you guys are experts on the Amazon. Um, so can you tell us what is your latest um, Amazonian research? Well, we held a large meeting last year at Oriel College on the Amazon, with leaders on Amazonian research worldwide in attendance. Earlier this year, Professor Molly published a synthesis of that meeting in Science, titled Climate Change, Deforestation, and the Fate of the Amazon. For our Amazon research, we work with a few different programs. For instance, the European Commission sponsors a project called Pan-Amazonia, which focuses on, focuses on understanding Amazonian forest structure and function in the face of global change. Another project is called Rainfor, which is an international monitoring network of Amazonian biomass and forest dynamics. We also work with the Large-Scale Biosphere Atmosphere Experiment in Amazonia, or LBA, which asks how Amazonia functions as a regional entity and how changes in land use and climate affect the biological, chemical, and physical functions of Amazonia, including the sustainability of development in the region and the influence of Amazonia on global climate. Our research in the Amazon spans the large and the small. Students such as Leanna Anderson and Natalie Butt use satellite remote sensing to analyze spatial and temporal patterns of this huge region. Anna Malhado, on the other hand, is studying the dynamics in leaf patterns, especially the structure of leaf tips and how they connect with hydrology and plant physiology. We're currently wrapping up some research on a unique and striking event that occurred in 2005. The event was a drought that was the most intense dry period since weather measurements were first recorded there. The forest functioning during the 2005 drought may be a glimpse into the future of a warmer world. I've contributed a modeling component on the evaporation and transpiration that occurred during and around that time period to Oliver Phillips, who was a close collaborator on the project at Leeds. And Dr. Luis Aragao, who has been with our group for many years now, was recently awarded a prestigious three-year NERC fellow research fellowship to map and quantify the effects of fire on Amazonian forests. It sounds like there could be a lot of links between your work in the Andean cloud forests and your work in the Amazonian rainforest. But how do these rainforests of the African Congo and Borneo fit into this whole picture? Well, we ask almost exactly the same questions in the African and Southeast Asian tropics as we do in the South American tropics. 
We study the ecosystem processes, functioning, structures, patterns, and responses. And we measure and quantify the biogeochemical cycling of carbon, water, and nutrients. Two of our students, Alex Morel and Kun Ko, have recently returned from field campaigns in Malaysia and Borneo. Two other of our students, Denai Maniadis and Roy Vinyar, are currently in the field in Africa. We are in the unique position to compare and contrast the methods and results that we use in, say, the Amazon to those for the Congo. What makes the Congo and the Amazon different from one another? How are they the same? Why is something important in one area not important in another? By not limiting ourselves to only one part of the tropics, we are able to gain a holistic understanding of the tropics globally. As Aristotle summarized, the whole is more than the sum of its parts. Our modeling components take advantage of data sets from across the tropics. Dr. Carol McSweeney is developing a climatological data set for the entire tropics. I have assessed models for predicting evaporation and transpiration in the tropics using a data set from a network called FlexNet, which compiles measurements from towers positioned in ecosystems throughout the globe that have instruments attached to them above the ecosystem canopies that measure the fluxes of water, carbon, and energy into and out of the ecosystems. So outside of the tropics, are there any other places that your group works in? Yes, we actually work close to home here in Oxford. Dr. Terry Ruda and graduate student Katie Fenn work at Wydham Woods, which is an ancient broadleafed woodland just outside of Oxford and owned by Oxford University. Again, the questions are similar. We want to understand ecosystem dynamics and links with climate. England is projected to experience more frequent summer droughts, and our long-term goal is to understand how climate change will affect British woodlands. Our work there is currently funded by HSBC and Earthwatch. As part of the project, HSBC sends us hundreds of bank employees to help us with our field work there and to learn about ecology and environmental science with a hands-on experience. We also work with the Center for Ecology and Hydrology as well as Wild Crew at Whiteham. And finally, we work globally, particularly with the modeling component. One of my main projects is the development of a plant nitrogen uptake, fixation, and retranslocation model that is linked with something called a, a dynamic global vegetation model. These models essentially reflect and predict how ecosystems respond to climatic influences. Our models are then linked with land surface models and eventually general circulation models. We work very closely with the Center for e Ecology and Hydrology, the Met Office, and the Hadley Center. The goal is to scale up everything we learn on the ground into generally applicable, robust mathematical equations so that we can ask and answer questions at the global scale, especially respect, with respect to global climate change. So how does all your work translate into climate policy and management of tropical forests? Well, we work very closely with the policy experts of ECI, and many of our students include the policy implications as part of their dissertations. Professor Molly was at the Bali negotiations and involved in issues of avoided deforestation particularly with respect to carbon crediting for protection of rainforests. Until now, credits have only been awarded to projects that mitigate carbon emissions from the atmosphere, not through preservation of large areas of rainforests capable of absorbing vast quantities of CO2. And the world's rainforests are one of the most important ecosystems on the planet, arguably the most important, and often referred to as the lungs of the planet because of their ability to take up carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. In the past two years, our team has received over two million pounds and counting in funding to further this research and inform policy decisions. 
we hope that this, with the support and a combination of some of the best minds in the world working together, we will be able to make significant advancements in our understanding and prediction of ecosystems dynamics.